Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. But today um, is just a standalone sermon. Today is one of those days that we don't have very often here at our church, but uh, it, it's always a, a, a chore for me. I, I'm a series preacher. It's always a chore for me and just a standalone sermon, but uh, today we get to do that. And I'm excited about preaching this message to you, and I hope by the end of this message you still love me and you want me to be your pastor and um, that you're not making a beeline out of the parking lot and that you're, I hope you're here next Sunday. Let's just leave it at that. So, boy, some of you are so scared and nervous right now. Relax. Just take a deep breath. Just relax. We're going to be okay. I promise. There was a nine-year-old boy that came home from the playground, and he had a bloody nose and black eye, and his clothes were all torn And it was obvious that he had been in a fight. And from all indications, he lost the fight. And so his father was was patching him up. And and he asked his son, he said, son, what happened? What happened? You know, why why do you look like this? And he said, well, dad, he says, you see, I was at the playground. And I challenged Billy to a duel. And you said, you know, dad, I, I gave him the choice of weapons. And his father said, okay, okay, that seems fair. He said, but what happened? He said, the son said, I never thought that he would choose his sister as his weapon. (laughs) Today's message is is really, really simple. It's choose your weapon wisely. Choose your weapon wisely. That's what I want to talk to you about today, church. And and if you'll just give me your ear and your attention just for a few moments here, I I want to help you make sense of all of this in, in a very, very rigid climate that we're in right now. Maybe... You remember the, the, what I would consider the 1986 theatrical classic, Crocodile Dundee. Should have won an Oscar, I'm just saying. Just an amazing movie. And there's this scene in, in Crocodile Dundee where Michael J. Crocodile Dundee um, and his love interest, they're, they're walking and they're threatened by what would be muggers and one of them has, has a switchblade in his hand And the love interest looks at Mick Dundee and she says, Mick, give him your wallet. And and Crocodile Dundee says, why? And she says, he's got a knife. And he proceeds to pull out, we don't really know where it came from, but he pulls out this this 16-inch Bowie-type knife. And he says, as he laughs to himself, he says, that's not a knife. This is a knife. (laughs) Maybe you've heard it said, never take a knife to a gunfight. And we understand this phrase to mean that it's a disadvantage to you to choose to fight someone using a knife if they've got a gun. In the Old Testament, we see this played out between David and Goliath. And this is not what my sermon is about today, but I'm just going to kind of give you an example of this. In David and Goliath, although David was much smaller and Goliath was tall and intimidating, Goliath chose the wrong weapons. The Bible tells us that Goliath had a sword, he had a spear, and he had a javelin. But Goliath was used to fighting in hand-to-hand combat. That's why he called David to him. You come to me. And he, he knew he could rip him limb for limb if, if he could just get his hands on him. David shows up with a sling and five smooth stones, one for Goliath and one for Goliath's four brothers. David didn't plan on missing And some people say, well, he took five in case he had to reload. No, Goliath had four brothers, and they were big men also. And and, and later on, they come into play. But, But David was ready and prepared not to miss and to take these giants out. 
Never underestimate the ability of a slingsman. You see, a sling in the right hands is a deadly weapon. Eitan Hirsch, who is a ballistics expert with the Israeli Defense Forces, did a series of, of calculations showing that a typical sized stone, just a regular sized stone hurled by an expert slinger at a distance of 35 meter, meters, which is about 115 feet, it would have hit Goliath's head with a velocity of 34 meters per second, and that's enough to penetrate his skull and render him unconscious and possibly even dead. At 115 feet, the rock would have hit Goliath in less than a second from the moment it was released from his sling. You can't duck fast enough to avoid that. You understand that, right? You don't get out of the way of that. You don't even have time to flinch if, if that rock is coming at you that fast. So David was a slinger, and slingers beat infantry every time, hands down. It, it, it's just the way that it works. I like the way that the historian Robert Dorwin said it. He said, Goliath had as much chance against David as a Bronze Age warrior with a sword would have against an opponent armed with a forty-five automatic pistol. Well, that puts it in perspective, doesn't it? In other words, Goliath, don't bring a sword to a sling fight. It's not going to work. You don't have the right weapon to fight this battle. And as Christians, we feel like we are in the middle of the fight of our lives. At least I do right now. I feel like I'm in the middle of the fight for my life. And every day, it seems that there's this new attack on our faith. Every day you turn on the news and it feels like there is a new attack on our faith. And the truth is this, church, don't let any of this catch you off guard because the truth is from day one, the Christian faith has been under attack. It's always been under attack. Matter of fact, before we were even Christians, before Christ even came to earth, from the beginning of humanity, there has been a battle to eliminate your faith in God. It's been there since the beginning, and, and before the early church was birthed, the cause of Christ has always battled against a movement called Antichrist or against Christ. And it is still very active, and it's going to become even more active. And so this is not a new battle that we are fighting, but unfortunately, we are allowing the world to dictate how we fight this battle. Now, church, some of you are going to get angry with me today, but you need to listen to God's word and let God's word do some work in your life because we are allowing the world to dictate how we fight the battle. And if we can learn anything from David's victory over Goliath, it's to never let the enemy choose the weapons of war. Never let the enemy choose the weapons of war. We get to determine that. We get to dictate that. And if we want to conquer our spiritual giants, then we must show up with the right weapons, and today is about choosing those weapons wisely. Our text today can be found in all four of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 26, if you will go ahead and turn there, Matthew chapter 26, it can also be found in Mark chapter 14, Luke chapter 22, and John chapter 18. We are going to focus today on Matthew chapter 26, and, and today I'm going to attempt to expound upon this a little different than I normally would. Although we will primarily focus on, on Matthew 26, I'm going to add a few thoughts from the other Gospels. Let's, let's look at it like this. It, I, I'm, I'm cooking a big pot of grits today. Anybody like grits? The rest of you are, are a bunch of northerners, I know. And um, so I'm cooking a big pot of grits today, and, and Matthew is my full pot of grits, is what it is. And, and Luke and John, that's my salt and my butter, okay? Mark is not offering us anything 
other than what we're already reading, okay? So we're just going to leave Mark on the shelf and we'll get to him next time, okay? We're not going to include him in our ingredients here. Uh, and so I, I want us to, to just kind of cram all of these, these versions of this same story together. And let's see what God can speak to us uh, through, through the Gospels here. Jesus had just shared in the Last Supper with his disciples. And if you know this story, after the Last Supper, he retreats to the Garden of Gethsemane because he needs to get alone and he needs to pray. He wants to, to seek his heavenly father. He needs to pray because the pressure is really starting to mount on him and, and, and he is feeling that pressure right now. And he takes with him Peter, James, and John, which he would often take them with him, take them with him, and, and, and they were his inner circle. Out of all the 12 disciples, these were the three that we find with him the most. And he takes Peter, James, and John with him, and he asks them to keep watch while he prays. It's almost as if he was anticipating the coming arrest. And so he says, you, you just keep watch while I go over here and I pray. And three different times, Jesus comes back to find Peter, James, and John sleeping. And, and, and as he was talking with them the third time and, and almost rebuking them, can't you just stay awake just for even an hour? Can you just not stay awake for me? And as he is talking with them the third time, Jesus looks up. It, remember now, it is night, and so you can see the torches coming. He looks up, and off in the distance, he sees Judas coming with some men, and, and they're coming to arrest him, and Jesus knows what's up. He knows what's about to happen. And so I want to pick it up at Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 47. We're actually going to read all the way through verse 54 today, so just leave your Bibles open as I go back and forth here, okay? Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 47. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss, which was not uncommon. You would walk up and, and, and greet someone with what the word calls a, a holy kiss. And so... He says, you're going to know who it is, who to arrest. You're going to know which one is Jesus by the one that I walk up to and, and I greet him with a kiss. Have you ever had someone be nice to your face while they're stabbing you in the back at the same time? I know you have. It's one of the most painful things you'll ever go through. And that's exactly what Judas was doing to Jesus. He, Judas was, was greeting him with a kiss and betraying him with his greed at the same time. And, and what makes it even worse is that it is premeditated betrayal. It's, it's one thing for someone to be in the heat of the moment and betray you, but it's something completely different when they've thought about it in advance and they betray you that way. The scripture said that it was a prearranged signal. So it tells me if you don't set it in your heart before the incentive is offered, you too will betray the Lord when circumstances present themselves just right. And so we've got to be We've, we've got to be ready for this because the opportunity to betray Jesus is going to present itself in, in our lives. And, and failure to plan is planning to fail. You've got to know where your loyalty lies before the temptation is before you because every day we're faced with the opportunity to betray Jesus by putting our faith in something else other than him. Verse 49 says, so Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi. He exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Now, 
John gives us, the Gospel of John gives us a couple of more details in John uh, chapter 18 and verse 10. Listen to this. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. John doesn't hold back. I like how John writes here. John gives us names. He's not trying to protect the innocent or the guilty in this. John gives his names and and, and he calls out Peter. And he he says, Peter's the one who lost his cool, pulled out the sword and cut off a man's ear. Peter's the one that did it. I don't want anyone to think it was me. By the way, I'm the one that Jesus loved. You know, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. That's how John always refers to himself. I'm the one that he loved. But Peter is the one that took out the sword and cut the man's ear off. He's the guilty one, so don't accuse me of that. And then he gives us the name of the servant that lost his ear by the name of Malchus. He gives us that name. He he gives this man a name. He gives him importance. He's not just another statistic. He's not just another body in the crowd. He's, He's significant. He calls him by name. This is someone's son. This is someone's brother. It's quite possible that he's a husband or he's a father. Now I want to go back to Matthew chapter 26, verse 52. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Our focus verse for today is verse 52. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Will you say that with me? Live by the sword, die by the sword. Say it one more time. Live by the sword, die by the sword. No one will ever be able to convince me that Peter was aiming for the ear. Nah, Peter wasn't aiming for this man's ear. He was going for the neck. He wanted to take this man's head off. I am convinced of that. You'll never be able to change my mind. It's not in the Bible, but I'm telling you, he was not aiming for the man's ear. I remember many years ago, before I was even in ministry, as a matter of fact, Mandy and I may have even been dating during this time, but, but our, our youth ministry uh, that we were a part of, that we were volunteering at, uh, went to uh, an event called Winterfest up in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And, and we would stay in Pigeon Forge. And, and if you've ever been to that area, there's all kinds of sightseeing attractions in the Pigeon Forge area. And one of them being a lot of go-kart tracks. There's many go-kart tracks. And we were going around and we were getting kicked off of every go-kart track. And yes, I was an adult at the time, barely, but I was an adult. And I was not the only one. There were other adults with me, including the youth pastor, and we were all getting kicked off of these go-kart tracks. Well, on the last day that we were there, we found this one go-kart track that just let us have our way on the track. I mean, this guy could care less. It was stuck behind a hotel. Nobody could see it from the road. And anything went. Anything went. And my friend Bill, Bill was... uh, we were always very competitive with each other and, and, and we kept going up behind each other trying to hit the back, the back end and the back tire and kind of spin each other out. And so we kept doing that and we're getting away with it. Nobody's stopping us. And the, the attendant there at the track, he's reading a book or magazine or something. He's not even watching us. So anything goes. And so we keep trying to spin each other out and Bill's getting the best of me. Bill, Bill got really good at spinning me out. 
and I was getting frustrated with it. You ever been frustrated on a go-kart track? It's a dangerous thing. And I got frustrated on the go-kart track and, and I, I come around this curve and, and I look and, and Bill is sitting sideways in the middle of the track. His go-kart go had stalled and he's sitting sideways. Do you think I aim for the back of that cart? Man, I T-boned him as hard as I could right in the middle of that car. It's so dangerous. Kids, do not try this. Don't do this. But it was so fulfilling for me in that moment because, man, I clobbered him, clobbered him. Peter was not aiming for that man's ear. No one ever says, I'm going to punch you in the ear. I'm, I'm going to punch you in the eye? Yes. I, I, I'm going to punch you in the mouth? Definitely. I, I, I'm going to aim for your throat. Maybe, maybe. Ear, never. Nobody ever says, I'm going to punch you right dead in the ear. Nobody ever says that. But have you ever been so frustrated at someone that you said something that was out of character for you? Oh, I just want to see a show of hands, so I'm not by myself right now. Yeah? You ever said something because you're so frustrated and it's just out of character? It, it happens. Sometimes this world, church, can become so frustrating that it will cause us to go to extremes and do things that are outside of God's will. This world is so frustrating that it will sometimes cause us to go to the extremes outside of God's will. If you know me, you know that I'll, I will not usually engage in Facebook arguments unless it's to correct one Miss Deanna Petrush when she confuses the identities of the Emperor Royal Guard and the Praetorian Guard. But that's just the Star Wars geek coming out in me. And uh, I was armed and ready for battle and I took on the challenge. Sorry, Deanna. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, right? Okay. Other than that, I tend to shy away from social media drama. But about four years ago, there was this guy in Newberry that as far as I know, I've never met him face to face. I met his mom because his mom would come to our church sometimes. And we even helped her as a church body. We helped her pay her utility bill one time. I remember we put groceries on the table for, for, for her and, and come to find out he, this grown man, he was living with his mom during the time. And so we fed him. And this guy had a vendetta out against our church, man. This guy was just coming at us on social media. He was always going on that, that, that infamous Citizens of Newberry page and, and always posting stuff. And not just with us, but with, well, with many organizations. Always playing the victim. Always trying to stir the pot. Always wanting to cause trouble. And this one particular day, about four years ago, I, I'm, I'm on there. And, and he starts talking about our church-owned coffee, coffee shop, The Blend. And, and he starts talking about it, and he starts saying how it's a, a money laundering and tax evasion business is what it is, and that this church is trying to reap benefits from that. And man, it got under my skin. I mean, I'm like, this guy has no idea, because if you, if you don't know, we've put more into that coffee shop than it will ever, ever be able to repay. Matter of fact, the coffee shop's never repaid this church anything for the lump sum that the membership voted to put in. We've paid the rent on that building for, for most of the time. I mean, just, just because we've been using it and they, they've needed us to do that. And it's, it's a community outreach. And our council has just been like, man, we, we love what it does. We love what it accomplishes. But this guy is just running his mouth on social media. And I finally had enough and I responded. I went at him. And I told him. 
that this church has put more into it than it will ever get back. I, I went there about missions and how there's a percentage of the profits that goes to the mission field, and I pretty much put this guy in his place. There were people texting me and just, you know, just, Pastor, you're doing great, you know, air high fives and all that good stuff, and uh, to which he responded to, to, to my response to him. He responded, mention money and the church gets fired up. And I knew it. I had been set up. And he knew my integrity and that I wouldn't sell him out, that he himself had benefited from this church. It's so easy to get caught up in the war fighting with the wrong weapons. And what's crazy is that sometimes we do it in the name of God. Think about the last time that you drew your sword and you cut someone because their politics are different than yours. Church, we are about to get into that, that season that I despise. And I say that, and right now, not by choice, but I'm a politician in Newberry. City commissioner. I never, I never campaigned. I was not voted on by the citizens, which makes it even better. But stuck in that role right now until the next election. But I'm telling you, I despise the political season. And one of the reasons why is because I look around this room, and if we're not careful, it's going to put a wedge between some of you. Because we're one end of the spectrum to the other. Because the kingdom of God is one end of the spectrum to the other. We're not all alike. Sometimes you draw your sword and you cut someone because they don't believe the way that you believe. You do understand that they, they warned us in scripture that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to the unbeliever. We expect them to believe what we believe. It says it's foolishness to them. Until they come to know Christ, they don't get it. They don't understand it. Why do we want to battle with them and debate with them because their skin color is different because their priorities are different because she was raised differently than you or he was raised differently than you oh that's bringing it home right because they don't look like you act like you or agree with you and we open our mouths and we cut them to the core Proverbs 12 and 18 says the words of the reckless pierce like swords but the tongue of the wise brings healing Oh, I'm going to stay there just for a moment because we need this in our spirit right now. The, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. How many of you know the kingdom of God needs some, some, some wise talkers out there? We need to be bringing understanding and compassion to this. Solomon tells us that our words can cause much damage, damage like a sword would cause, cutting. Proverbs 21 and 23, he continues and he says, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Oh, I'm just going to let that one sink in for a moment. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Whoever learns to control this right here learns to keep themselves out of trouble. Some of the heartache that you're experiencing right now is because you're just running that, gate, that gator too much, aren't you? That's what's wrong with you. I told you you're not going to like me today. It's okay. You get over to the New Testament and James 1 and 26 says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Whew. It's getting heavy, right? It's imperative that I do this because I refuse to let the enemy bring division between us walking into a political season. 
We've got to be careful. Weapons that create short-term victories can create long-term per permanent casualties. Now, I want to go back and I want to read something that Luke pointed out that Matthew, Mark, or John did not about this situation in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 50, Luke tells us, he says, And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. I love this detail that, that Luke brings out. Leave it to the doctor to talk about the healing that took place. He touched his ear and he healed him. Do you get the significance of this church? This man, even though he is on the opposite side, he is not in agreement with Jesus Christ. He is not in agreement with the Son of God. He is an enemy of Christ. He is there to arrest him, and he is significant enough for Jesus to reach down, pick up the ear, pick up the mess that one of his disciples has made, pick up the ear and slap it back up on the side of his head, bringing healing to this man. He is significant enough for Jesus to heal him, even though he didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. How will he ever hear the good news of Jesus Christ if he doesn't have ears to hear? And the testimony of Christ and what he can do in this man's life, all of that is at stake in that moment. And church, I'll submit to you that what we have what we need to be sharing with the world. It's at stake right now because we are pulling out our swords and we're cutting things off and we're, we're causing damage and we're causing people problems and, and, and we think to ourselves, well, we're cowering down. No, we're picking the wrong weapons. We're not cowering down. We're picking the wrong weapons. And with every day passing, I'm watching the church lose the ability to speak about Jesus because we're so worried about our opinions. I have strong convictions in my life. If you know me, you know those convictions. But most of the time, I will take time to invest in a relationship before I will ever try and preach that conviction to someone else and bring some kind of healing into their lives. We're pulling out swords in our homes and on our jobs and on social media. Listen, some of you are so brave behind a keyboard. We're pulling out our swords, standing in our kitchens, conversing at the water cooler and sitting at our computers. And Proverbs 15 and 28 says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Man, if we would just stop and just ask the age old question, what would Jesus do? We might stop and actually answer it differently. Jesus told Peter, he says, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Peter, if that's the way that you choose to go through life, that's the way that you're going to die. If you live by that sword, Peter, you're going to die by that sword. Whatever weapon you choose to fight with is the very weapon that you will die by. Church, listen to me. If you choose to fight with a hardened heart, a part of you will die when you encounter a hardened heart. If you choose to lash out in anger, you will die when anger is aimed at you. If you choose to fight with ignorance, you will die from someone else's ignorance. And if you choose to fight with violence, you will die violently. This is what Jesus told Peter. Whatever weapon you choose, 
to live by is the very weapon that you will die by. But if you choose to fight with grace, you will die with grace. If you choose to, to die or, or to fight with forgiveness, you will die forgiven. And if you choose to fight with understanding, you will die being understood. And if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. We've got to learn to choose our weapons wisely. I like how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Well, he just kind of summed it all up. We could have avoided this whole sermon today if I just would have read that, right? He says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. When will we trust the weapons that God has put at our disposal? When will we learn to fight with what he's empowered us with? I've learned through the years that I can pray my way to victory. I've learned that I can praise my way to victory. I've learned I can love my way to victory. I can forgive my way to victory. I can show compassion my way to victory. Because whatever sword or weapon that you choose to live by is the very thing that you will die by. Father, we've got so much growing to do. God, I'm not exempt from this. Grow me. Mature me. Lord, let our prayer become to make us more like Christ. That even in the face of adversity was still healing and showing love and compassion even towards his enemies. Lord, when we feel like we are hanging on a cross being crucified, teach us to pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Make me like you, Lord. Make me like you. Father, I know that the words that I have preached today have come across convicting. God, in any way, if it's been condemning, Lord, I pray that you would purge it from our thoughts. But your word is like a two-edged sword. God, we need that in our lives. Cut out of us. Let the word that we heard today, let it penetrate and cut out of us the pieces that don't belong in our lives. Do a spiritual surgery on our hearts, Lord. Remove the hatred. Create in me a clean heart, oh Lord. Search my thoughts.
with every head bowed and every eye closed. Please, no one looking around. I want to give you an opportunity today to receive the love of Jesus Christ that I speak about. No matter how much of a mess you've made out of your life, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in right now, the love of Christ overcomes that. Love covers a multitude of sin. And I thank God that he loved me enough to cover my sin. Maybe you're here and you just haven't received that love yet. It's aimed at you right now. All you gotta do is open your heart. If you're here and you need forgiveness, you need that relationship with Christ. If you're here and you wanna gain that eternal life that we preach about, if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up high right now. Nobody's looking. This is just between me, you, and God, and I will not embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. This is just between us right now. Yes, leave it, leave it up, leave it up, leave it high. Nobody's looking. Someone else that would say, Pastor, please pray for me. I need Jesus. Yes, thank you, thank you. Leave it up, leave it up. I wanna know who I'm praying for. Someone else that would join with these and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Church, I want you to look at me. There's two people in this room that said, I need Jesus. I need that forgiveness that you're speaking about. I promise them, amen, amen. I promise them. I promised them that we would not embarrass them and I'm not going to. Church, I want us corporately this morning, I want us to say a prayer together. And if you raised your hand, I need you to make this prayer. You need you to make this prayer your prayer. Make my words your words today. You know who you are. But mean this from your heart and let the love of Christ come in and cover a multitude of sin right now as he already did for me. So church, let's look up to heaven. Let's say this prayer together. Say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he rose again, giving me eternal life. And today, I make him the Lord of my life. In his name I pray, amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.